Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on this wonderful, wonderful Thursday morning. Dan McLaughlin going to join us coming up on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He'll join us at approximately 1045. Blues and Kraken going tonight. Jackson, you are going to the game. Yeah. That is a stunning development. Are there, is there going to be somebody sitting next to you to explain what's going on? Yeah, I'll need, I'll need to explain. I, you know, icing I still struggle with. And uh, the point system, how points are tallied. So, uh, as in goals? No, 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 no. For the for the standings, you're you're unclear on that. It's a little confusing. Maybe somebody can help Jackson out by I, texting in six five seven eight zero. Feel free, or leave a mic drop. Now that the uh, yeah. mic drop is there for people to leave on the one hundred and one ESPN app, that's presented by Rhino Shield. Uh, text in six five seven eight zero. Looking forward to talking it over with Dan McLaughlin. Now, here's the thing about Jackson. Mm. And we 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 have a, a difference here. Both University of Missouri, I'll call it attendance, yeah, they, just because there's there a go. there's an eight hour credit situation that I have to knock out that degree. Uh, Jackson did graduate. Yeah. Both big time Missouri basketball fans at one point. Jackson still is a Missouri basketball fan. I have kind of moved on from that. Uh, as my interest in college basketball has decreased. I wonder if people share that over the last. I don't know if it's been the last decade. It's certainly two decades ago, I couldn't have been more excited about it. So something has happened. But either way, you still are emotionally attached. And you had a bit of a high on Saturday after Missouri beat number 15, Arkansas. Slew had the th- thrilling win yeah. uh, in the final few seconds against Iona. And then last night, Missouri travels to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Maybe there's going to be some momentum. I think I asked the question what the number was. I think I asked the question what the number was because I felt like there might be some value. And if you did take Arkansas, it was sweat-free. Missouri got shipped last night. And you gave us the statistic while we were doing TMA this morning on 105.7 HD2 FM, the potted plant, that had Missouri held Arkansas scoreless in the second half, they still would have lost the basketball game. Correct. Jackson is a Missouri basketball fan, and you see something like that transpire. How do you react? Well, I was on the under, but... uh, Oh, were you? Yeah. How'd that do for you? Uh, I didn't actually. I didn't look. Wow. Is that what it's like when you go to Ladue High School that you can just bet on things and not even see if you won? Is that how strong your portfolio is when you go to Horton Watkins? But the real real thing was that, you know, coming off, the the team just can't shoot, and they shot kind of well against Alabama. Well, they they shot, they had nine threes, right? Yeah, so, but that's the problem is they live and die by the three, and then they really can't shoot, and they're just, Kobe Brown is a great basketball player. No one's going to debate that, but he shouldn't be your primary scorer. 
He worked great last year as your third, maybe even fourth option. But when you make him a primary scorer, he's just not going to be the answer. And so, you know, you think about it and the team, the Conzo's biggest problem in his, now this is his fifth season, is incorporating an offense. He truly has not incorporated an effective offense. And you go look at any other team, especially in the Big Ten or even other schools in the SEC, and they have dynamic offenses where there's constantly movement. And you look at Mizzou, and the reason the games are boring is because there's four guys standing and one guy dribbling. Maybe that explains it. Maybe you just right there explained it. I feel like I'm watching, I don't even know if I want to call it organized chaos, just chaos like there isn't necessarily a plan for example 20 years ago to be 20 years ago in march i was in san jose for missouri as a 12 seed a win away from playing in the final four they played oklahoma in san jose they were in the west regionals a 12 seed they had beaten ucla on a thursday night and on saturday morning they had a chance to go to the final four and there was a there was an offensive philosophy that 20 years later i could still recite which is yet cream rush yeah. outside and he of course could light it up but if Missouri was able to work the ball inside do you know this name as a young young tyke you're a young tyke boy Arthur Johnson yeah heard the name okay Arthur Johnson Trayvon Bryant was a part of that team he was yeah. a McDonald's High School All-American if they could get the ball inside to Arthur Johnson I remember making the analogy it was like if the Rams could get the ball in the hands of Marshall Falk the more touches Falk would have the more it opened up the passing game the more touches Arthur Johnson would have, the more it opened up the outside shooting game for guys such as Kareem Rush, sure. Ricky Paul being a part of that team. And that is why they turned it on and were able to turn it on and get on the precipice of getting to the Final Four. And they actually would have been dangerous that year. Yeah. Indiana and Mike Davis, not Bob Knight, got to the championship game. They lost to Maryland. You know who the star of that team was, college basketball fan. Is it Dixon? Am I right on that? Could be right on that. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. But either way, the point being... I, I watch Missouri and I was like, what is this? So let's throw up threes, and if they go in, you can beat Alabama, but if they don't go in, you get embarrassed at Arkansas. Now, right. in 1994, Missouri was beaten off the floor by Arkansas in the opening game of the Bud Walton Arena. And it was so bad that Paul O'Linney, who was a JUCO wrapping up credit hours, was watching and said, man, these guys could really use me. And he enrolled over the break, because this, this was in December, and then he wound up playing a role along with Melvin Booker in leading Missouri to an undefeated Big 8 schedule, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, where they lost to Arizona yet again in the West Regional, just like the last time they were in the Elite Eight, which was 2009, and they were in the West Regional, and they lost to UConn. I was at that one as well. Right. I, am, I am the Forrest Gump of Missouri heartbreak. I am there, they lose. <laughs> so when I look at what's going on right now, whereas I was emotionally invested in 2009, I was in Glendale for that, San Jose in 2002. Uh, I was in high school in 1994, so I wasn't at that one. Point being, I was emotionally invested. They got shipped last night by Arkansas. There will not be a number one seed this year. I think it, I think it's fair to say it. Yeah, It doesn't look like it at the moment. And I, I sit there and I go... What can possibly be done? Is it just as simple as okay? You got to just pull the plug on the Conzo Martin thing. Is it? Is it? Is it that simple? I think that would be the logical move, but doesn't necessarily because it is five seasons now. Yeah, I but, mean, this is you're not talking about doing this two seasons no, in. This right. isn't the Joe Judge program, right? But he has gone to the tournament twice, and he's had some good teams. But what he has currently is not only are they bad now, but there's no real hope for the future at the moment. Not and unless they kill it in the transfer portal, which there's always a chance, but they also might get destroyed in the transfer portal. See last year, 
so the logical move would be pulling the plug, but then it's not like that, you know, it's going to change overnight. You, what changed overnight between the Kim Anderson era and the Conzo Martin era was Michael Porter Jr. Those don't come around every couple of years. That's a once in a 20, 30 year talent to come to Mizzou. So it's not necessarily just going to be fire Conzo and things will turn around. It's just going to have to come down to getting players from the transfer portal and recruiting better. And at the moment, Conzo does not seem to be doing either. Uh, text coming in 65780, Air Comfort Service text line, as it is called here on uh, 101 ESPN. Uh, the points earned is a really hard thing to understand, you wispy-haired boy. You win, you get two points. You lose, you don't get any points. You have to explain an offsides call tonight before you soil yourself. That mm. is from the 314. Nice. Uh, I'm 58 and cannot remember a worse team than this one. Conzo Martin has to go since he cannot recruit the 314. Also, this Mizzou team is a dumpster fire. Conzo may be a great guy, role model, example, but he's not a great coach, recruiter, and play caller. Uh, I hate where this program is. Need a regroup. It's literally organized chaos. All right, we're on the same page there. Organized chaos. Sure. This team is pathetic. Kobe Brown is the only one with any heart. He will undoubtedly be in the transfer portal after the season. There is no reason to stay. I don't know. I, his brother plays for the team. He's been, this is his third year. And, I, you know, I'm not saying he's for sure going to stay, but. He's uh he's done pretty well at Mizzou, and I think he wants to stay in a Power 5 conference. Uh, Tim, I too was a college basketball fan 10, 15 years ago, and I am not real interested in the regular season anymore. Two things. The games are officiated. The way the games are officiated is terrible. Too many stoppages for call, and then long reviews. The second reason, the tourneys, the conference tourneys, take away interest from the regular season. I don't know. I, I mean, the conference tournaments were there, and, and the NCAA tournament, of course, was there 10, 15 years ago, but I found myself watching games then. My theory on it is this. There is no constant as far as rosters go. Constant being relative. But here we are 20 years later, and I'm able to rattle off the names of Arthur Johnson, Ricky sure. Paulding, Kareem Rush. I think Wesley Stokes was running point, if I'm not mistaken. And and now it's just like, okay, who's on the team? Okay, that guy's on this team, and well, now he's gone. Now he's going in the NBA draft, or this guy's going to bounce over here. That, I think, for me is the issue, which is why when we start talking college football, I worry that that's the direction college football is going to go with the transfer portal and NIL, an overcorrection to where you don't know who's on what team, and you can be replacing a Heisman candidate and essentially open up a free agency after year. That's the thing that concerns me about it. Um, Jackson, here is something that we were talking about doing, because I'm, I'm here I am waxing poetic on Missouri's 12-seed team in 2002. Uh, having lived all of my life in St. Louis, minus nine months working in television, my first TV job was in Little Rock, Arkansas, 1999 to 2000, covering the Razorbacks. They went to the Cotton Bowl that year. Uh, I have an odd sports memory, and I'm not necessarily saying this is healthy, I'm saying it's actually kind of strange. I don't think it's necessarily something that's good. But I also wonder if I'm accurate on it because most people don't know. Like as Gabe was on a couple of days ago and yeah. he started talking about, I can't recall, but he was he was naming incorrect years. I wasn't going to correct him. I mean, he is Gabe. <laughs> Go on his postgame show and tell him. <laughs> but, I, but I thought to myself, huh, he, he covers the team. He knows more about Missouri athletics perhaps than anybody covering them in the media. And, and he's off on a couple of years. In the whole scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But then I think to myself, well, nobody really knows. So when I sit here and I say things, 
I might be naming guys on the 2002 team who played like in 2010, but nobody knows. And here's the other thing. No one cares. (laughs) So it doesn't matter. So I want I want to I'll just open it up because we were going to have you do it. But then it could theoretically be rigged like we could we could agree in advance. Name some specific incident. Now, it has to be in the last 25 years in St. Louis sports. And I include the University of Missouri. I know some people get uh, particular about that. But we'll include the University of Missouri, even though it's 125 miles to the west, in the discussion. And then I will attempt to go through what I recall in covering these teams or those events and see if I can. It's kind of like what Doug did on KMOV with Sports Sunday with the flashback. It would always be at the end of the show when Doug, Steve Savard, and I were in the, in the sports department. And it would just be like, on this or in this week in 1988, the Blues, you know, this, that, and that. So we'll go through that. I think I think my memory is accurate, but essentially it's going to put it to the test. And then also people might name some things, and I'll go like, I don't remember that at all. Mm. So you can also bluff me and just make stuff up and then find out if I am them just making <laughs> stuff up and essentially expose me for the 100% fraud that I am. So I was going through a few years here and starting like in 1996, and I recall being at game four of the Cardinals and Braves NLCS, Dimitri Young triple, Brian Jordan home run. And in my mind, those things absolutely happened, and I was there. But since most people don't remember that, and they are mature, and they have other things going on in their lives, nobody calls me on it. Or I can picture where I was when Trent Green went down, and who was responsible for it, and what Dick Vermeil said, which I think a lot of Rams fans, St. Louis Rams fans, can remember. It isn't that specific of a memory. Or who Mark McGuire was traded for and what transpired over the final two months of the season, when it happened, who they were playing, those kinds of obscure details. And then in covering the teams, there's probably some stories that I would have that haven't necessarily been told. But since now we're a couple decades removed or even a decade removed, um, perhaps the stories can be told now. Whereas if they were going on, you'd kind of be like, ah, that might be something that the person wouldn't want out there. So text it in. I'm I'm not going to look at it until we come back from our commercial break, and we'll see how I can hang. Because in my mind, I remember everything, but I want to be put to the test. And I don't think it would be fair if you just go, okay, tell me about the 2001 Rams playoffs. Because we could have agreed in advance, right? And it could be it could be a whole song and dance. So I don't I don't want David blame the audience. I want the audience to be in on it. And we can see what we have going on here as we'll walk down memory lane. Plus, Dan McLaughlin will be with us coming up, and that will be at 1045 here on 101 ESPN. You are listening to Balloon Party. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. I got to tell you something. Hanging out Obi Clark's tonight following the Blues and Kraken sounds like a nice way to spend an evening. Love Obi's. It's right across the street from you. Yeah, right down, right down the road. Not to let all the ladies listening know where Jackson resides, but, you know, I mean, that's where you can be. Hit Obi Clark's, see Kerber, and then cross the street and see Jackson. Yeah, that's a action-packed evening. <laughs> well, there it is. There's an advertisement. If I didn't have to get up at 5 in the morning, and if my wife weren't 37 weeks pregnant... I think I'd go over there tonight. I really would and have a little taste. Love the pizza. That's a great setup. Oh, and the pizza and the wingy wingy and Kerber following a little Blues Thursday night shoot. 
That sounds like a nice little pony show. One I like it. Places. All right, we are. Uh, we're going to see how uh, how this plays. I, I, I'm going to be exposed, or my already unjustifiably large ego will get even larger. Uh, you can text in as we're going into a time capsule here. Six five seven eight zero. To give the audience an example of what Jackson is thinking here, he is going to do the first one. But I said I don't think it's fair because then theoretically we could have rigged it. Now, you and I know on the honor code that you did not tell me which direction you are going with this. The only rule is it has to be 1996 or more recent. We can't go back. My memory starts basically in 1982 with the Cardinals. So this is a sporting event in the St. Louis area, of relative significance. You can't go like, well, what happened on Tuesday night against the Marlins in 2008? (laughs) You know, of relative significance, I realize that's an arbitrary definition. That's what we're looking for to test, to test my sports memory. Dan McLaughlin, by the way, coming up here on the program uh, at 1045. He'll join us on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. So what direction are you going? I assume it's Mizzou or Rams. That's what I think. So you're throwing a curveball. I like that. Right, so I... My memory of sports really started in about 05, and so right around then I was I was really, truly super fortunate to witness a World Series championship in 06. Okay. I believe I was in the third grade, and I could still name every single player on the starting roster. You could, really? Uh-huh. I kind of want to come back over the top and see if you could do it. All right, so Yachty behind the plate. All right. We'll, we'll leave out pitching staff, but for game one of the series, it was Anthony Reyes. In right, the right, right. At third base, you had Roland. That's correct. Shortstop. You had David Eckstein. MVP. Second base, you had Ronnie Belliard. Yeah, that would have been one that could have tripped some people up. Certainly. Number seven. Uh, first base, obviously, Albert. And then in the left, it was a, a, a back and forth between Sotoguchi and Preston Wilson. That's right. Center field was obviously Edmonds. And then right field, Juan Encarnacion. Wow. Look at you. Okay. So it was really, that was a very special team. And like you had Supon and obviously pitching and... Uh, Jeff Weaver, Bo Weaves. Bo Weaves, right. Carpenter. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, so what's what's so where are you going with this? Now, I could be wrong, too, here, so this is going to be really, really great. But what well, if there, if there was only a way via the Internet to confirm whether or not this is correct. No, but I kind of wanted to kind of flex you my wanna, muscles uh, a little, too. Oh, okay, all right. You're not going to ask me to do, like, starting lineups. No, 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 no. What happened between Game 6 and Game 7 of the NLCS in 2006? Wow. And it was probably very beneficial for the Cardinals. It's a rainout. Right. It's a rainout. Right. And then that led to Game 7, giving more time for, was it not Supon to rest and pitch Game 7? Supon pitched Game 7. And it gave him another day to rest. And if I'm not mistaken, so this is good, because this, kind of, this, this is what I'm talking about, into-the-weed stuff, about sure. events that anybody listening to this station would know about, the 2006 NLCS, the 2006 World Champion Cardinals. But I'm talking about like into the weeds details. And if I'm, and you will be able to verify this. You can go to the 2006 Game 7 box score. I will wager a portion, I'll wager 10% of the bankroll that the starting pitchers for that game, Jeff Supon for the Cardinals and Oliver Perez for the New York Mets. And the play of the game, minus Molina's home run and Wainwright's frozen. Carlos Beltran breaking ball to end the series right. was Andy Chavez leaping over the wall to rob Scott Rowland and then Rowland. double Edmonds off first base. And at that moment, I thought, well, that'll do it. The Mets are going to the World Series. And, well, I hope the Cardinals get a chance next year. Yep. So I am going with Oliver Perez and Jeff Supan as the starters. Ding, 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 ding. Whew. Whew. 
And to that, Andy, Andy Chavez, still to this day, the best catch I've ever it's seen. They still show it. Yeah, I mean, the fact he couldn't see any part of it, his whole forearm was over the fence. Unbelievable. I remember watching that game with my father, and we were screaming as loud as we could for that ball to get over. And then when Andy Chavez, I mean, it looked like at the end of a, a soccer game when everyone's lying on the ground, that's what it looked like. Just, that, was, that was truly one of the bigger gut, gut, gut punches. And here's a little fun fact for no one tell. Did you know this one? See, this is what now this is what we're doing. Mm. This is where I was going to go because it goes into like, wow, this guy's got some some issues, which I would imagine 95% of you listening already are aware of that. But this will help drive it home. Had Ron Washington done the right thing before David Freeze's famous moment in the bottom of the ninth inning of game six, of the 2011 World Series, Andy Chavez was the defensive substitute to replace Nelson Cruz. Did you know that? Wow. Then now that's a nice little. There you go. Right there. That Got was it. the move. That was the move. How about that? All right, I'm going to go into the uh, Air Comfort Service text line, and we'll see what we got. And I'm going to go with the first thing I see. Uh, now, we're operating on the honor system here. Sure. You see the text line as well. Yes. And you've started to kind of filter them out because they're psychologically destroying you. So oh, we're yeah. just looking at the... Okay, here we go. Uh, let's see. Um... Let's see what we got. There was no Game 7 in 2006. That is incorrect. I guess the person's thinking of the World Series. There was Game 7 in the 2006 NLCS. The Cardinals won it in Game 5 of the 2006. Uh, so I think now we have some clarification. Tyus Edney, that's 1995. I can still do it. How, how For you, as, a, as somebody born in 1998, right. to have an appreciation for Tyus Edney as a big-time Missouri basketball fan, which is one of the lowest points for Missouri basketball, last night notwithstanding, since last night meant nothing, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Are you aware, I'm sure you're aware of it, but do you are you aware of like how much of a gut punch the name Tyus Edney is to Missouri fans who are of age, who can recall Missouri taking on that team that wound up winning the national championship and being seconds away from upsetting them in the second round to go to the Sweet 16. I truly do not. Wow, okay, so that's interesting. I'm a huge Missouri basketball guy, but my history of knowledge starts when I started watching him because it's not like like my my father is from Illinois, my brother is from Illinois, like – it was more Illinois basketball, and at the time, 05, they're you know one of the best teams in the country. So, my knowledge started when right about when my brother went to Mizzou, which is in 06. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. You know, I mean, I, I was around for the Cardinals second half of the 70s, but I don't remember any part of it. I don't remember right. 1980 or 81 either, but I can start to remember in 82. And the way that, that my memory works is I tie the emotion I felt, and that's how the thing gets planted in my brain. Uh, Tim, congratulations on the pending edition of the family. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Um, McKernan, good to have you on the FM side. It's like the... The good side versus the dark side. Uh, so with Lester retiring, what are the Cardinals going to do about filling that spot? Great question. We talked about that with Derek Gould yesterday. He thinks they're going to go reliever, and uh, and we'll see if they add on to the offense. I personally would like to see him do it. I don't know if they're going to add on to the, uh, the rotation. Let's see. Uh, can you remember the terrible draft that Dick Vermeil had in 1996? In the first round, he drafted Lawrence Phillips and Eddie Kennison, who did he pass on, or passing on, Eddie? Um, I know he's who he meant there, though. You know who he passed on? Oh, passing on Eddie George and Marvin Harrison. There it is. Okay. The texts are broken up. Uh, side note, the Ravens took Ray Lewis with the 26th pick in the draft. Yeah, well, if you take a look at the Rams drafts, as much as I loathe and I will be living for 
the uh, Arizona Cardinals on Monday night against the Rams. Um, and as much as I, you know, loathe the situation that occurred mm. here with the Rams and what was obviously a rigged game, uh, the the bad draft started well before Stan Kroenke was the sure. majority uh, owner. Uh, and the 1996 would be one, and that's the one that I was actually going. If you look at the 2006 draft and who the Rams took, and yes, Ty Hill, who I would tower over, yes. and it's difficult to find people that I tower over. <laughs> right. Uh, then they took two, two tight ends, like one was 41st and one was 46th in the second round. I'm not making this up. Yeah. So what are we doing here? It's yeah. just like the, the Belichick, you know, we're going to get Hunter Henry and John U. Smith play. I don't know what was going on. They took Joe Klopfenstein and Dominique Bird, who I believe got in a fight at the Pepper Lounge right, right around sometime early in his rookie year. That's what I remember. Cause I was hanging out there at that right. time in my life. See, these are the types of things you might go, well, what does that have to do with anything? I, it has to do nothing. It has absolutely, but that's where I was hanging out. And I knew that he'd gotten a fight there. Right. My, and I think the pepper lounge is no longer operating. And if it is, I apologize. It's still standing. It, is, is it okay? I don't know if it's open, but I see it whenever my sister was right around. It'd there. be a little weird though. If at 45, as a husband and father, if I was like hanging out there, nothing against those of you who are 45 husbands and fathers hanging out there. A wonderful place. I'm <laughs> but just yeah. saying for me at this point, be a little odd. They, I, I'm in my memory, which is past 2010 with the Rams, they would go from drafting the like just the strangest picks ever to drafting great. Like they draft Brian Quick, and I had to look up on my phone who's oh, we played at Appalachian State and we picked him in the second round. Like, yeah, they held on to that for a while, insisting it was going to work, right? And that did not work. And then a couple of years later, they pick Aaron Donald. And, and honestly, when that was that wasn't well received no, here because he went to Pitt and he was undersized. And he's been, you know, yeah. one of the best defensive players in the league for the right. last decade. So, uh, yes, the Todd Gurley pick it was a screaming tell that they sure. weren't real interested in what was going to happen the next year. But maybe right. two years from now, we'll be interested because the guy was basically not available for the first half of the season. Couldn't be a kinder guy. Always paid respect right. to St. Louis, but uh, yeah, you get the idea that they were going. Oh, we're not going to really worry about our final year in St. Louis. We'll make a pick based on our time in Los Angeles in 2016. Uh, Tim, the Pepper Lounge is a hot spot for stepdads. Thanks. That's from the five seven three. Let's see. Can Tim name all the first-round Mizzou football draft picks since 2000? Wow. The answer to that is absolutely not. No, I, I, There's no way. There, I know I can't. I know I can't. And I'm, by the way, I'm learning the clock here at 101 ESPN, and I see we have an 11 minute and 30 minutes, 11 minute and 30 second segment. And I feel like that means I probably should break. Do yeah. I have time? I break. But I want to. I want to be honest, and I want to try to to like go off the top of sure. my head. I have. I think I can think of a couple, but that, not every. I can't. My, my honest answer is I can't. When my stuff isn't necessarily trivia. Like I know Randy Carricker is the yeah. trivia wizard. Right. He would shut me out. But when it comes to memory, which I think is a little different than I'm talking about with trivia, uh, I think I can hold my own on it. I think I can. But when it comes to like rattling off that, which I kind of would consider more trivia, so who can you name? Was Sheldon Richardson a first round yes. pick? Okay, that's we got one. Alden Smith, first round pick. What about that 2011 draft? Yeah. I know he had a big game against Oklahoma in 2010. I was right. at that. Um, Macklin wasn't a first round pick, was he? William Moore. William Moore, yeah. To the Sean Weatherspoon. Yes, but both to the Falcons. Both Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Was Weatherspoon first round? Willie, Willie Moore. I know he was, but I don't know if I know Weatherspoon was with the Falcons. Marcus Golden? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I want to do better for you. Britt? 
Is he first round? Well, see, there it is. Trivia exposed. Yeah, Witherspoon, 19th overall. Okay. Randy Carrick could come in here, and he could dunk on me on the trivia. Right. The memory stuff, I'd like to think I can hang. But then one would go, well, trivia's memory. So you're just you're making up your own rules. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm absolutely being exposed. That's not my strong suit. Uh, Dan McLaughlin going to be with us coming up at uh, 1045. And uh, I will go back into the text line as we only went through a couple. This uh, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It is 1033 in St. Louis. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, Burkett with you. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here. Uh, Dan McLaughlin coming up in a matter of, oh, I would say about six minutes. Looking forward to talking it over with him on a wide variety of topics. Jackson, uh, we put uh, ourselves to the test, opened up the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, I said, give me something and I will give you detailed memory of it. We were asked a trivia question. I am going to dispute that that would fall under the umbrella of memories, even though I really don't have a good case for the dispute. Right. Somebody asked what was relatively a simple question. Name the first round Missouri draft pick since 2000. I think we named negative three. <laughs> yeah, we named a bunch of guys. Because we named a bunch of guys who were drafted in the second round. And we're like, yeah, he was in the first round. So we failed to mention... Justin Smith, one, who yeah. was in, uh, who was on the roster when I was in school there. I remember him drafted by the Bengals. I remember seeing him in the Rams locker room talking over with Grant Wistrom. I think he was, he was still at Missouri. I think he was the highest overall pick of the two thousand. He's picked fourth. All right. Yeah. I knew he was top five. He went to the Bengals. Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. And then somebody texted in Drew Locke, and I was like, oh yeah, Drew Locke. But Drew Locke dropped, and second he went round. second round. Yep. Uh, there was a name that I honestly that just slid through, and that was Charles Harris. Yep. 2017. 2017 DN. I I wish I would have said this one, Ziggy Hood, because yep. I do remember that one. 32nd pick. So, But both Weatherspoon and William Moore, I thought William Moore was first round. Nope. I, I did say I thought Weatherspoon yep. might be second round. So Weatherspoon first, William O, second round. Perfect. So I got him absolutely wrong. Here's two plays for you. Get both wrong. Okay, then talk about how great your memory is. Outstanding. Alden Smith picked seventh overall, though. And we wow. got that one. Gosh. Memories are different than trivia, I insist. How? I don't have an answer. I'm just telling you they are. Uh, Let's see. Tell us what happened on opening day of the 1997 Cardinal season. All right, I got it. You don't know this one. I can't even go across the dais to you because you weren't born yet. Right. Willie McGee game-winning walk-off home run. Mm. My dad's favorite player. As is mine. Retire number 51. Retire 51. I went on that campaign in 2006 along with Matt Seebeck, who you may recall, uh, is now the chief experience officer for uh, St. Louis City. And uh, and then uh, Josh Baycott, they worked together on JoeSportsFan.com, and we worked on starting InsideSTL.com together, and their big thing was Retire 51. We adopted it. I recall talking to the Cardinals about it, Mark Lamping, actually. And he goes, here's the deal with it. He goes, we've kind of unofficially retired because nobody's worn it except Bud Smith for like a week and people freaked out about it. (laughs) And so they moved Bud Smith from 51 to 52. But unless you go into the Baseball Hall of Fame, with the exception of Ken Boyer, 
who died at a young age and they retired his number, uh, you got to have your number retired, or excuse me, you got to be in the Hall of Fame for the Cardinals to retire your number. But still, we haven't seen anybody wear number 51. He's the greatest, man. He's the greatest. Yeah, everything I hear about him is he's just the best. So uh, Let's see. With the playoffs coming up this weekend, Tim, when was the last St. Louis Rams playoff win and versus whom? See, again, I, I, have to, I happen to know this one, but I still would say this is more trivia. Yeah. But I'm not sure how I can describe why one is trivia and one is not. So I'm not doing myself any service. Somebody can be wrong, but if they can argue really well, you can convince the public that you're right. So I happen to be right, but I'm not arguing the case very well. I'm just going, it is just the way it is, and trust me. And people are just going, this guy has no idea. My answer to your question is the following. 2005 in Seattle against the Seahawks. I was going to say 05. And they lost the following week, and I was at that game at the Georgia Dome to the Falcons, and Michael Vick ran all over the place. So that is that is my answer, and I, I'm comfortable with it being correct. The last St. Louis Rams home playoff game, do you know that one? 03? Uh, it would have been 2004, but the 03 season. Right. And that was Steve Smith burning Jason Seahorn's jock into the ground at like the 48-yard line. <laughs> that was horrific. That team was good enough to win the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, that game and, of course, Super Bowl 36, I still think they altered the trajectory of the NFL in St. Louis. That might be naive as all get out, but I really do believe it. All right, we will take a break. Dan McLaughlin going to join us coming up in a matter of moments. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here. BK and Ferrario coming up at the top of the hour. It is our pleasure to welcome to the program on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from St. Gabriel's Class of 1988. And also, you may know him from the Cardinal Broadcast, Dan McLaughlin. Morning, Danny Mac. Well, good morning, Tim. I'd like to think that I'm more thought of in South City uh, for what I did there and my contributions to the community. And if there was a South City Hall of Fame, I do think that if you went in, uh, you go in with, um, you know, what's that white undershirt that you get? Uh, you know, it's kind of beat up. It's got some stains on it. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, that's, yeah, that's what you do. You don't get a yellow jacket in Canton. You get the, you get the beat yeah, up stained I, white T-shirt. <laughs> Yes, you, you get that, then uh, also a gift certificate to Ted Drew. So <laughs> I think it's worth spending a Saturday night giving a speech. I think that's a great Absolutely idea. Absolutely, it is. Oh yeah, I'm in. <laughs> hey, you have some big doings coming up uh, this week on the presentation scoops with Danny Mac on 10:30 on Fox Two. What's going on? Well, this is kind of cool. I uh, was able to go with Dan Rolfus. Do you know Dan Rolfus? He is the head coach at Incarnate Word. So he's got the Red Knights program. And this last week, they won their 49th consecutive game. That's incredible. My goodness. I mean, I, I don't think that this guy, and I know it's high school sports, and I understand that, you know, it's not the Blues. We're not talking Cardinals. We're not talking Mizzou. And we'll get into those things here momentarily. But he, he let me do a whole all-access deal with him. We're going to air at 1030 on Sunday night on Channel 2. But if you want to see a guy that flat out gets after his team, boys or girls, and watching what he does in timeouts, what he does at halftime, what he does with his team in the post game, what he does to get his team ready prior to the game, the scout, all that stuff. I, it's just fascinating. He, he let us go anywhere we wanted. 
with the microphones, with the cameras, and, and showing just basically how a program is run. Depending on what you look at, Tim, right now, and it's not getting enough, I, I probably because people take it for granted because they win state, it seems like, every year, but they're 10th in the country. They're going to California this year. They're undefeated. And if he wins uh, state this year, I think it'll be his 11th in the last 22 years. So if you like high school sports and want to see how it's done behind the scenes, it's a pretty cool program. I love those kinds of shows. That's that's outstanding. And, yeah, I mean, you, you get it with with sometimes – programs or teams or leagues will do it, but you still know it's kind of filtered like the Soviet Union in the 80s. You just know it's still something going on. But I love a behind-the-scenes. And a high school, especially with one the kind of success that they have going on, they're going to give you all access, and people get an idea. And I think that's good for young people to see as well, to see kind of how, how a successful program operates. Totally agree. And he, I said to him, I said, look, these are high school kids. I get it. Some of the kids on your team are 14 and 15 years old. He's got a couple of freshmen that are – really good and then he's got a kid that's already committed to kentucky and he's got three or four other uh division one top division one players and i said you know i'm I'm not here to you know unearth the secrets of these kids and what you're doing and and embarrass the opponent none of that stuff and he said look you're not going to find any of that he said we run a basketball program i'm here to coach the girls understand the what it takes to play here and let it rip and i said okay that's what i'll do so I mean, we're in the middle of the court, Tim, of their practices. I'm following girls falling down. I mean, it's crazy, like with the camera and the mic. It's so much fun to do and, and trying to, to capture what it's like to be inside a program that wins and wins consistently and wins at a, at a top level. And so to see him go about it, like just to give you an idea, they hadn't played in I think almost 14 or 15 days. They got hit with COVID, so they, one of their games was canceled. And he comes in and says, this is what you got? I mean, all you guys want to – all I hear about is complaining about practice. We practice too much. And now this is what you got coming out – I'm paraphrasing, but you come out and that's what you give me in a half of basketball? He said, that's terrible. He said, that's embarrassing. And then they went out and won by about 45. So so I think the message was was heard. But if you you like that kind of stuff and seeing behind the scenes and how it works, I think people will will enjoy it, and I think you'll enjoy it too. Scoops with Danny Mac on Sunday night on – Fox 2, KTVI. That will be a great behind-the-scenes look at an incredibly successful program. Dan, you mentioned uh, Missouri, a rough one last night in Fayetteville, our euphemism of the day. Is that what you got coming into Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. You know, I, here's what I'm taking away. When when they played over the weekend, well, there's a couple of things. Number one, I think they've made a, a better now, last night excluded, a better move, I don't know if you guys agree with this, of not just settling for an, a, a, the outside shot in a three because they can't shoot threes. But when they do, if there's some type of offensive efficiency, they can hang in the games. And if you look at the numbers last night, and there are metrics that I love to dive into in college sports outside of just looking at runs and what you shot from three. I mean, you start looking at where you took the shot, uh, at what point on the shot clock did you take it, meaning that you were probably rushed, depending on the situation, uh, defensively, the metrics of the other team, you can get a pretty good idea of just how well you played or didn't play. They played awful. I mean, that is about as bad as they can play. And, you know, the the new AD at Mizzou, one of the things I talked about on my show uh, prior to just getting, you know, totally uh, – left out in the cold when you decided to come over and I got pushed out the door. No, that's not how Hold it on happened. Hold on a second. What just happened? That, that, that's not how it happened. You know, <laughs> but, uh, 
one of the things that I was saying was that, you know, she's going to have to make a tough decision on somebody that she really admires, which is Conzo Martin. Mm-hmm. And I think we all admire the man that he is. He's a good coach. He, he's taken a lot of teams to the NCAA tournament. He's done it with Mizzou. But are they at a spot now where they can afford the buyout, which if it happened, it's $6 million, then it goes to four, and then eventually in like April or May it's down to, you know, a million and a half, two. In college sports, you can go, a co- go to a coach and negotiate that and figure out ways to get out of it or, you know, just pay it off and come with a settlement. But those are the kind of questions she's going to have to face, especially after watching games like last night. But then when you watch over the weekend, you know, you're sitting there saying, okay, now they're starting to turn some, some corners here. You're starting to see some guys play better. So it's going to be a fascinating couple of months to see where he can get this team and to see the strides that give that administration confidence to say, look, we're going to give you another year. Come on back and let's see what you can do. Yeah, last night, I mean, if you when you have so many low points, it's tough to pick one, but my goodness, yeah. was that, is that something else? Hey, we, are, uh, we have a minute left. You were on the call of what was a thrilling win also, uh, but this one for the Billikens on Saturday night. Fred Thatch with the putback with uh, just a little more than nine seconds remaining. Travis Ford against his former head coach. Uh, that, that had to be an incredible atmosphere and a great win for the Billikens. It was, and, you know, they put that thing together in, like, 40 hours. Yeah. So I, I thought the crowd, Tim, was pretty good. I don't know if it came across on TV, but the crowd was really energetic. I thought the numbers that they got into the building were pretty good. And remember last Saturday, we were supposed to kind of have bad weather on Saturday night. So that may have held some people away. I'll say this. Uh, Rick Patino can flat-out coach. Um, I used to do a lot of uh, his games at Louisville. So had a chance to be around him a little bit, watch him in practice, watch how he gets after his guys. It's incredible how he gets his kids to play so hard. And the job that they did of running bodies at Erie Collins because they knew that just Slew was having issues bringing the ball up the floor and breaking pressure and things of that nature. And then really hedging on screens and various things with Gibson Jemerson, their leading scorer. Uh, they gave Slew all they could handle. I think it's going to be one of the wins, and I realize it's Iona, it's not Kentucky. But I think in the end, it's going to be one of those wins that if SLU is on the bubble, they're going to say that's a good win because Iona is going to win their league, in my opinion, and they're going to win some games, and they'll probably upset somebody once they get in the tournament. So really good win for SLU. I wish they could get another one. But it's one of those wins, Tim, that you say maybe, just maybe, they've been so close that it gets them over the hump to – start winning some of those closer games as they move forward in their season. Yeah, critical 10 seconds there with the putback and then Iona not being able to score. Danny Mack with us every Thursday here on Balloon Party, and you can catch scoops with Danny Mack, the -the behind-the-scenes look at the Incarnate Word basketball program on Fox 2 at 10.30 this Sunday night. Dan, appreciate the time, sir. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, even when I was unceremoniously forced out. No, what's going on here? Drop out of this, Jackson. Something's awry. Thank you, you, Dan. Your agent came in and just forced He's a hard hitter. I hired Boris, and he just couldn't get enough of it. I'm just kidding, everybody. I'm just kidding. Thank you, Dan. See you, Dan. There's Dan McLaughlin with his time for us to get out of here. Uh, BK and Ferrario are coming up next. For Action Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.